Hey friend, it's Kathleen Estes. Welcome to the Texas Football Mom Podcast, a show where we'll chat with some amazing guests about faith, family, and of course, football. If you have wondered, does Wonder Woman exist? I am here to tell you that yes, she does, because she's my special guest today. She's a mom of eight all biological. She is a speaker, an author, a podcaster, a good friend. Julie Lyles Carr, welcome to the Texas Football Mom Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, but we got to clear up something real quick. Like, oh, what's that? Okay, Wonder Woman? Really? I am never wearing that costume. That is never... <laughs> That is never happening after all these babies, but... You do not need the costume. I do need the invisible jet, for Oh, that sure. would be nice. Yeah. That would be nice. Yeah. She has good jewelry, too, She those has cuffs. good jewelry. I like the cuffs, and with mm-hmm. Austin traffic, I could use that invisible jet. Absolutely. I really could, so. But thank you for such a gracious intro. <laughs> I don't Abs- want to disappoint your, your listeners now. No pressure. <laughs> well, they can't see us. They're okay, only hearing that's, us, so that's it's right. all that's good. That's good. That's good. No, honestly, I admire you so much, um, so many things about you, but I love... Um, Julie wrote an amazing book that is helping so many people with parenting. It's called Raising an Original. And being a mom to eight, I'm sure you've had to figure out how to navigate that. I know I've got two. Right. And while in many ways they're very similar, in other ways they're complete opposites. And how I parent them has to be different based on them and also the season they're in. Right. Absolutely. We discovered that, you know, I wanted so badly in my early stages of parenting to find a system because we're so vulnerable in parenting, right? I mean, it's just, we want to get it right. We, we know we've got one shot. (laughs) We want to make it right. And because we feel very vulnerable, even though I think most of us very much intuitively know and accept of our adult friends and our coworkers and, and people within our community that people are different and have different ways that we need to navigate them, it's harder with our kids. We want it to be a little more formulaic in some ways because sure. I think it gives us that sense of peace and security that we're doing it right. And so mm. Mike and I, my, I married my college sweetheart. His name is Michael. And Back when we had, I don't know, maybe one or we probably had two or three kids. Like it was a long time ago. Okay. <laughs> Back when the kids were little, the youngest, the oldest kids were little. I remember we went to a parenting class. It was very much about trying to stamp out this little cookie cutter experience. Like if you do this, mm. then it'll be this. And if you do these things with children, they will always come out the other side this. And while I found a lot of security in listening to that, I was also living in my house and knowing that. I wasn't quite sure that was going to work. Sure. I still laugh. There was a product that you could buy back in the day that I thought was going to be really helpful in terms of making my parenting more efficient. Mm-hmm. It was this if-then chart. And what you would do is you would put on the if side. So if you do this, then this will be the consequence. So if you pinch your brother, then this is the consequence. And if you won't eat your broccoli, then this is the consequence. And I was so diligent, Kathleen. I mean, I went through and I filled it all out and it was just going to be magical and I laminated mm-hmm. and all the things. My second child, McKenna, who's always been very intentional, tell me the rules, tell me where the guidelines are. I will stick to that. I will make it happen. She's super conscientious. She took one look at that chart that I put on the wall with that plastic tack to protect my, my paint. And she said, all right, so if I do this, that'll be the consequence. If I do this, that'll be the consequence. I will never do any of those things. Like I understand it is so clear. Thank you so much. Her brother, who's just a little bit younger than she is, Justice, He walks up to that chart, takes one look and goes, I'm going to do it all. Thank you so much for outlining this for me. Totally worth it. 
return on investment? You bet. I mean, is that wow. all that's going to happen if mm-hmm. I pinch a sibling and that's that's all that's required if I want to eat broccoli? Not a problem. And in that moment, I just had to laugh again at myself that these efforts to try to be so efficient and to try mm-hmm. to streamline in not recognizing and honoring the individuals that were in my house was right. just not going to get me anywhere. I do have a degree in psychology with an emphasis in child psychology, but it's funny because you can have something like that and still struggle with bringing it into your own home. And when I really took a pause and said, okay, let's just stop trying to systematize parenting Mm -hmm. and let's really look at who lives in my house. Let's look at the different motivations. Let's look at the different personality styles. Let's look at the things that are important to each one of them and the things that aren't (laughs) And, and really begin to make decisions. It's not that you ditch family culture or family values that you have or the things Mm -hmm. that you're saying make you the Estes family or make you the Carr family, but it's understanding how to honor the individual and helping them come to those things that really are most important. So tell us a little bit about your family. It's wild and crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we of the eight, yes, they're all biological. Yes, I birthed them all. I didn't. People <laughs> want to know if I had C sections. I didn't have C sections. Uh, fifteen passenger van. We drove oh, a fifteen passenger yes. van for quite a while. You got to have some experiences. I the did 15 experience passenger. that. Uh-huh. Got uh-huh. to pray a lot when I rode alone. I that. was really hopeful your tetanus shot had been <laughs> updated before you climbed aboard in that van. Um, there is a 16 and a half year span between the oldest, she's 28, all the way down to our 12 year old twins. And so that 16 and a half years is interesting because Mm -hmm. it feels like in some ways I raised the first set in sort of a different world and then these younger ones. And, but they're all very close, lots of big personalities, lots of people who like to be audience. And everybody is pretty wicked funny, really, at the end of the day. <laughs> nice. So your husband, Mike, your uh, high school sweetheart, college, college sweetheart, sorry. College, yeah. I know he was captain of the football team. He is extremely passionate about soccer. Extremely. And the athletes in your family compete in a completely different way. Yes, they do. You are a dance family. We are a dance family. So how does your husband manage that? (laughs) You know, it's fascinating to me because you're right. He's so passionate about all kinds of contact sports, and he loves soccer. He's been very instrumental in helping bring soccer to the Austin area at at the professional level. And so all of the kids have engaged in sporting activities and in different teams and that kind of thing, just trying to feel out what they each liked. It wasn't like mm-hmm. we said, that's it, we're a dance family. That was not really the genesis of how this started. We first started most of the kids in soccer because, again, that was Mike's passion. And when I say that the kids all played soccer, I need to, I actually need to back up on that. Some of the kids played soccer. Some of the kids sat in the field and killed ants or played with flowers mm. or, or cheered their team on. <laughs> Or cheered the other team on. There you go. Yeah. Jake tended to just chat a whole lot. I really enjoyed it as a social hour. Mm -hmm. So they have all had exposure and and most of them all have played and have enjoyed different sports. But what began to bubble up for whatever reason, and I really don't know why, but so many of the kids loved dance and really took it on at that next level, which was very much in an athleticism that is Mm -hmm. quite profound. And so as they began to grow up and they had all been coming through dance, some of them continued in dance, some did not, but several of them went into a whole other layer of dance that I didn't even know existed, which is this competition and convention level of dance, which is really 
all in. I mean, it is just dancing four, five, six days a week, depending on their ages. It is dancing hours. It is travel. It is all the things that you can imagine. And what's required, as your listeners know, when your kids are playing or dancing and have athletic Ex, you know, exploits at that level, right? It just engages everything for the whole family. I mean, the schedule revolves around it, school revolves around it, weekends revolve around it, finances revolve around Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And so, at this point, out the other side, we still we have two who have gone on to become professional dancers: our daughter McKenna and our son Jarris. Their sister Journey is still involved in dance. She actually has stepped away from the competition level right now. And then uh, Mercy, one of the twins, is also still involved in a Broadway level of dance at the age of 12. So there's still a lot that's still going on. And uh, it's been a really fascinating ride. But Mike, honestly, has been fantastic with it. He has been so encouraging and excited and cheers and is all part of it. And would have he have loved to have had one that just loved soccer at the level he does? Yeah, probably. But the good news for him <laughs> is he does have a couple of the kids who truly love soccer the way he does. And, and from that spectator perspective, who right. love to go with him and really enjoy it in that way. So I think that all in all, you know, he's come out the other side like, all right, all right. So as long as I have a couple people to go to games with me, we're he's probably happy. good. We're good. Yeah. That's awesome. He's been really, really supportive. So you mentioned how competition um, can be so all in for the family. I know right. um, for my family, you know, we used to do club soccer um, or during the summer we do uh, seven on seven, sevens football. And it is like these long weekends um, that require all of our time. Right. And so how do you navigate that with having some siblings that might not be involved? Right. That was something that initially we were much more, okay, everybody in, we're all going to this thing. You know, McKenna is going to be competing all weekend. We're all going to go. And, and we tried to make it particularly those on the road. We tried to make it really fun for the other kids as well, because just as a lot of your listeners, for example, your listeners who have kids who maybe have done baseball at a high mm -hmm. level and you're doing tournaments, which means you are there from the moment the sun comes up until way after the sun goes down. And yes. if they win this game, then they're going to go into this game. And if they go to this game, then they're going to this round. Mm -hmm. Well, competition and convention dance is very similar. Your child can be performing seven, eight, nine times all in the course of a 12 to 16 hour period, which means you're on site. You're waiting for the next go around. You might have a two hour break here, but you may be at a venue where there's nothing around and you are just right. hanging out. So for all of the kids, we tried to make it fun. We tried to do things, even if we just had to really oversell how amazing the hotel swimming pool was going to be. We, we tried to make it so there would be some things like that or a special movie, that kind of thing. Sure. We've done the stop at Bucky's. Right. Like, it's going to be amazing. Right. Bucky's, you know, golden mm -hmm. nuggets for everybody. Yes. Go wild. So we did try to do that. Over time, though, I think you begin to realize, I know families who have said, well, if somebody's performing or somebody's at a game, we're all there. Mm -hmm. I think there's some validity to that within certain expressions. But I do think when you have kids who are doing it at such an exponential level where it's so beyond just a game on Friday nights mm -hmm. or a soccer match on Thursday afternoon, when it is like these weekends where the entire thing is consumed by it, as some of the older kids began to get older, and they were in those middle to later teen years, and then, as, of course, as they went into college, 
But we needed to start really listening more to the rhythm of how they wanted to participate in supporting Mm -hmm. their siblings. And so we were able to back off a lot and just say, hey, I just want you to be aware your sibling's performing here, 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 and here. There's going to be a showcase. There's going to be a recital. There's going to be a this. Just wanted you to have the details. And they basically, without us insisting, Mm -hmm. would choose the things they wanted to be at to support their sibling. And guess what? I mean, is it great? Somebody who's always there at every single thing? Sure. But it actually even made some of those further events a little more special because they knew that so-and-so was going to be there. With the younger kids, I mean, man, poor Jake. He has been to more dance. (laughs) It's just... He, that kid has been to so much dance. But again, just trying to keep it a little more lighthearted for him, making sure we're honoring him and that Mm -hmm. we're excited about the things he's doing because he did dance for a while and then he decided that wasn't his thing. And so to make sure that the other family members are also supporting the things that Mm -hmm. aren't dance. So, you know, if it's just a little something he's involved in or he wants to show them some things he's done on a, heck, even a video game, just to see how well he's competing in a video game. You know, that that kind of love, that kind of support is shown in a reciprocal manner, I think is really important. Mm, That's great. Now, how do you as a family navigate just the pace of life? I know... You know, my mom always always used to tell me, when you get older, time moves faster. And I'd be yeah. like, it's time. It can't. Yeah. It, it does. does. It does. Oh, mom was right. Yeah, darn and it. so it's trying to find those times to really connect as a family when every night of the week is practice or someone's game. Right. Um, you know, it seems like there's always something on the calendar stopping us from having that moment where we sit around the dinner table, which I know is so important right. to the family dynamic. Right. How do you manage that? Well, as I'm sure is the case for many of your listeners, when you have kids who are at that level of athletic pursuit, for mine, particularly the ones that are we're dancing at the highest level, at that competition level, we're talking sometimes dancing every day of the week, certainly dancing four and five nights a week until late, 9, 30, 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. leaving the house you know, early afternoon and being gone. And so family dinner time just became something that really wasn't even practical. I mean, mm. <laughs> it was just, I felt like I was running a Luby's cafeteria. You know, I was mm. trying to keep things warm and chafing just as, like, it was ridiculous. And so finally it just moved to that place where it was, okay, let's just take a pause and let's figure out what might work for most of us on the most consistent basis. Mm -hmm. And what that became for us, and it has been so fun the way that it's now morphed, but it's Saturday morning brunch. That's when we have that time when we gather. Mm -hmm. And yes, there are times that not everybody can be there, but generally that time has worked well. And so we gather up at what what we call Car HQ, which is our our house. And I do try to make it special. That is the time that I bust out the fun recipes and the nicer dishes. And we gather Mm. for brunch, we sit around, we laugh. And I can't, you know, there's so many times then that somebody's got to take off for a performance or somebody's got to go teach or somebody's got a rehearsal or whatever needs to happen in, in that work. But it gives us at least some kind of moment in the week. And it took so much pressure off me feeling like that crazy evening schedule right. had to be the only time. So maybe for your family, that's a Sunday night. Maybe for mm-hmm. your family, that's Sunday lunch. Maybe there's another time. And the cool thing is, 
it still counts it does. <laughs> towards your family Yay. time around the table. You know, it's really not, honestly, it's not that there's something magic about 6 p.m. on a Wednesday evening around your mm-hmm. dinner table. It's that you gather at the table. That's really what's important, to have time to reconnect. Mm-hmm. And so Saturday brunch has been what's worked for us. That's awesome. So I really love to talk about faith, family, and football. What does faith look like in the car home? How do you make that a part of life? For us, it's really an active conversation. I I would love to tell you that, you know, we're the kind of family that gathers in the evening for a family devotional and there's the, and wait, you're ruining the image of what I have. I'm sorry. I know. I'm now not in the Wonder Woman costume and there's not family devotional happening at night. For us, it's a continuing conversation. Mm -hmm. It is debates over politics, and it Mm -hmm. is looking at social issues, and it is fleshing out what it means to walk as someone of faith, in our case, people trying to follow Jesus and His example, what that looks like really in our everyday lives, Mm -hmm. not something that's just sort of philosophical and out there, but what does it mean to really see the people in your community who typically are unseen? How do you serve them well? What does it mean to go in and try to help in certain situations? What does it mean to stand with people that other people don't often stand with? And those kind of moments where we really able are able to discuss what it means to put our faith in action, mm-hmm. those are really powerful conversations, I think, in the long term that we have. You know, in our home, you're going to find a lot of laughter. You're going to find a lot of humor. You may find some things that scandalize you a little bit. You may find some things that seem a little weird in some of our practice of faith. But in all of it, we hope that our kids are taking what they're learning in our home mm-hmm. and they're able to then go and walk it out in those situations in a very real way, a very tangible way, where people around them feel seen and known and loved. And that includes what it feels like when you're competing at the highest level, to take a level of otherness that other mm-hmm. people are important and to take that into the competition level, I think is a really important thing. I think that's wonderful. I know, you know, for with my boys, I'll often have opportunities to talk to them about self-control right. um, through the games because you can see sometimes, you know, some of the penalties that um, really set a team back right. or because one player just did not control right. themselves in a moment that really cost the whole team, mm-hmm. you know? And so it is finding those areas where it, life right. demonstrates where we can apply our convictions and what we believe and how it should flesh out. Because ultimately, I need that as an adult oh, as well. Right here. I mean, absolutely. And, and you know, within the the form of athleticism my kids have been in in dance, it's really interesting, some of those backstage moments, because there sure. can be places that are very supportive and kind toward other teams that you're you know competing hard against. And there are teams that you see that don't they don't have that expression and we call it sportsmanship or whatever, but at Mm -hmm. least in our house, it really is not so much sportsmanship. It is about honoring that that is somebody who God created. I mean, that is somebody who is a fellow human being on the planet. And just because you're on opposite ends of the results that you hope will come out of something that you've poured your heart and soul and self-discipline and nutrition Mm -hmm. and training into how you treat them in that moment, whether you come out as a victor or you come out as somebody who was on the wrong end of that score how you treat those people in that moment. Can you truly be happy for them and encouraging for them? Can you bear the weight of some disappointment with a lot of class and a lot of maturity? Those are the things that I really hope my kids carry forward. As you and I have talked to before, and I write about this in Raising an Original, we have this firm belief that 
the thing is not the thing. The extracurricular mm. thing our kid is doing is not really the thing. So good. It's the message underneath it and the skills we want them to carry forward. Because here's the deal. You know, your child may go on to play football at the collegiate level. They may go on to play baseball at the professional level, maybe. But even if they get to do those things, and we know statistically it's not terribly likely, but even if they get, and the same thing for dance. I mean, the statistics mm -hmm. for dance are the same way. The fact, you know, anybody trying to go into it as a profession, it's just such a narrow lane of people who right. get to do that. So what really do I want them to carry forward from all of the time and heart and finance and schedule that goes into this? Well, it better be more than just dance, football, or baseball. In sure. our case, it was very much, we wanted our kids to walk out the other side with a deep sense of how to care for their physical bodies, how to have the kind of discipline it takes, the stick to the perseverance, mm -hmm. the nutritional lessons of what that would take, how to chase something that you're really passionate about, and how to take on creative and constructive criticism, and how to be coached. Like Those were the things we wanted our kids to know, team play, all of that. Mm -hmm. I think those same lessons exist within a lot of other athletics. Mm -hmm. And We've got to be so intentional to make sure that our kids know that those are really the things that carry forward for their whole lives. Absolutely. And that's really what I think at the end of the day, when I say the thing is not the thing, mm -hmm. that's what I mean. I think families need to do that real look into what is really the thing that is the value here of what we're spending so much time and heart and focus on with our kids when it comes to their athletics. When you say that, is that something that you've talked about with your children or is that something that you and your spouse just have that you hold on to? Or is it something you want them to be conscious of? We, I do, they are conscious of it very mm -hmm. much. And we have talked about the life lessons that have come. And we have talked about the things that they have experienced, the people they've seen who have reacted in really powerful ways, the people who haven't, the people they have encountered. One of the you know powerful things within their genre of athleticism is you see people who are such powerful creatives who also can be very self-destructive sometimes. Yeah. And so that's been a really powerful thing to talk about in that way. Mm -hmm. We also have done a lot of discussion with them on the reality is these, the athletics our kids are engaged in obviously are going to be very life-giving to them in terms of their physical conditioning and all kinds of things. But as you know, not many people are going to play football beyond the age of, say, 40. Unless you're Tom Brady. Unless you're Tom Brady, and right. then you'll make it to 41. There you go. Um, and not many people dance professionally, really, mm -hmm. beyond a certain age in baseball and hockey, you know, all these different things. And so even though you're getting the benefit of physical conditioning, you also understand there's a clock ticking in being able mm -hmm. to perform at that level. And so part of what they also have all been thinking very deeply on, particularly the ones who've gone on into professional dance, is really thinking through, what do I want to carry from this time? Because I have to be thinking about the time when this won't be the right. thing I'm doing at this mm -hmm. level. So if I'm not going to do this forever at this level, then what do I want to be gathering along the way? For both of my kids who are professional dancers now, they both are very um, gifted choreographers. Well, that is something that carries forward. Yes, They both would love, you know, they'll go, McKenna in particular loves to go and, and dance also with her dad. Mm -hmm. You can do that, yes. you know, for a long time. So there are those things. I think even within those sports that we often see in by the age of 40, like mm -hmm. football, like baseball, you know, what are the things that you want to carry forward even if you get to do the dream? Right. So to prepare our kids for what's on the other side of the thing, because so often in these ages, we inadvertently make 
the glory days. I'm using air quotes. Yes. We make the glory days the things that you get to achieve when you're mm-hmm. in those golden years of high school and college. But we don't want to tee up our kids to think that once high school and college are over, it's all downhill. Right. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning, you know? And so we have to be really thoughtful in the messaging we're giving our kids Mm -hmm. about the years that they're getting to experience right now. Right. Because we all know the story of the guy who keeps coming back when he's 20 and 21 years old wearing his letter jacket to come visit the high school. Like, don't set your kid up for that, you know? Give them vision beyond just what's happening this Friday night under the lights. Give them vision beyond the things that they're going to be able to take with them from this experience that pay forward into their futures. Oh, that's so good. So, Julie, where can people find your book if they're wanting to get a little bit more information on some of the things you shared today? Well, you know, Amazon rules the world. Yes, it does. (laughs) So they can always find it at Amazon.com. Barnes & Noble, I think Target's had it online. Just wherever you get books, you should be able to run across it. (laughs) That's awesome. And then also you have a very successful podcast, All Mom Does. The Modern Motherhood Podcast on All Mom Does, yes. Great. would love to encounter your listeners over there as well. That would be wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us and just for sharing all your wisdom with us today. I know life is busy, so thank you for spending time with us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment and rate us. And don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. You can always follow me on Instagram at Texas Football Mom. I'm Kathleen Estes, reminding you to find joy in whatever season you are in today and to always celebrate life's first downs. Mm-hmm.